This is London calling Columbia, New York. Now, first, let's get in proper order the chronological developments of the day. At 9 o'clock this morning, London time, it was announced that a two-hour ultimatum had been delivered to Germany, that at the end of that time, hostilities must cease or Germany and Britain would be at war. At 11.15, the Prime Minister spoke to the nation. He stated that no reply had been received to the ultimatum and that Britain and Germany were at war. Shortly after the Prime Minister's speech, the air raid sirens went off, and it wasn't a pleasant sound. We moved quietly and in orderly fashion down underground. The all clear came in just a little while. It seems that an unidentified plane had been seen approaching the coast. It was later found to be a friendly ship. Now, for the last few hours, I haven't had an opportunity to be up on the streets of London to see what is happening. But I have heard one story concerning that air raid siren, and I think that story might interest you. It's told me by a friend of mine who was in Bond Street, and he said, when the air raid siren went off, one man began to run. He ran for about half a block. He looked around, saw that no one else was running, and stopped, with perhaps the typical English desire not to be conspicuous. September 4th, 1939. For several days, I've reported, or repeated to you, calls for ambulance drivers, stretcher bearers, and other personnel of the civilian defense. It might be useful to request the services of a good sociologist, because if this business of repeated air raid alarms goes on, the sociological results will be considerable. This is a class-conscious country. People live in the same small street or apartment building for years and never talk to each other. The man with a fine car, good clothes, and perhaps an unearned income doesn't generally fraternize with the tradesmen, day laborers, and truck drivers. His fences are always up. He doesn't meet them as equals. He is surrounded with certain evidences of worldly wealth calculated to keep others at a distance. But if he's caught in Piccadilly Circus when the sirens sound, he may have a waitress stepping on his heels and see before him the broad back of a day laborer as he goes underground. If the alarm sounds about four in the morning, as it did this morning, his dignity, reserve, and authority may suffer when he arrives half-dressed and sleepy, minus his usual defenses and possessed of no more courage than those others who have arrived in similar state. Someone, I think it was Marcus Aurelius, said something to the effect that death put Alexander of Macedon and his stable boy on a par. Repeated visits to public air raid shelters might have produced the same results. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a very good sociologist. But I can tell you this from personal experience. That siren would improve your knowledge of even your most intimate friends. London, as usual, is black tonight. One gets accustomed to it, but it can hardly be called pleasant. I don't know how you feel about people who smoke cigarettes, but I like them, particularly at night in London. That small, dull red glow is a very welcome sight. It prevents collisions and makes it unnecessary to heave to until you locate the exact position of those vague voices in the darkness. 
One night several years ago, I walked bang into a cow. And since then, I've had a desire for man and beast to carry running lights on dark nights. They can't do that in London these nights, but cigarettes are a good substitute. For a moment, tonight I thought I was back in the London of Mr. Pickwick's time. I heard a voice booming through these dark London streets. It said, 28 Portland Place, all's well. It was an air raid warden. He'd shouted them an order to cover their window. They had done so. And so he was telling them that no more light came through. <laughs> 